up in this week's Triton Spotlight, we're back in the Triton Cast studio chatting with the boss. Athletics Director Earl Edwards joins us this week to talk about the final chapter in the Division I transition. We'll also talk about his focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. What was his favorite part of the recent basketball trip to Italy? And what excites him most as he enters his 24th season as the department's leader? That's all coming up in a moment in this week's Triton Spotlight. This is episode 85 of Triton Cast, the podcast for UC San Diego Athletics. I'm your host, Jeff Turiel. Whether you found us on UCSDTritons.com or on your favorite podcast platform, we're so happy you've joined us this week. And if you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe, rate us, or write a brief review. Before we get to this week's Triton Spotlight, let's take a trip around campus. The cross-country season is underway, and the Triton men won their first Division I race taking the top spot at the Waves Invite in Malibu over the weekend. On the heels of that triumph and the women's third-place finish, seniors Jordan Haney and Isabel Shepard were both recognized as Big West Runners of the Week. The 2023-24 women's basketball schedule is almost here. You can check that out beginning Friday and buy season tickets through the Triton box office. The fencing teams begin their new season this weekend when they host Blade Runner inside Lion Tree Arena. And this week's University Credit Union Athletes of the Week are Jordan Haney and Isabel Shepard from Cross Country. Congrats to those two. Well, now it's on to this week's Triton Spotlight. Our guest this week is Athletics Director Earl Edwards. Now in his 24th year as our AD, Earl joined the department as UC San Diego was transitioning from Division Three to Division Two, and now he's overseeing our move to D1 and the Big West. We hit on a number of topics here I think you'll enjoy. And so here is that Triton Spotlight conversation with Earl. Well, Earl, as we get set to start another school year and students are coming back to campus in the coming weeks, what excites you most about 23-24? Well, what excites me the most is the fact that we're going into our last year of this transition to Division One, and next year we'll be eligible for the NCAA playoffs, but also the fact that our campus keeps growing and the student population is increasing. And I'm hoping that translates into, you know, students coming out to uh, support us. And we have a a bunch of new staff. We have some new head coaches. I'm looking forward to see what they can do, particularly looking at tennis and men's rowing. And administratively, we have some new folks. So there's just a a lot of new things uh, taking place. I feel like there's a, a a relaunch, if you will, within the athletic department, programmatically as well as personnel. Yeah, an exciting time to be sure. But let's stick on personnel for a minute. As the department transitioned from Division Two to Division One, no question the size of your staff was going to grow, right? But were, are you surprised at how many new faces there are all the time on staff between coaches and administrators? No, I'm more than surprised. But, you know, I was thinking about it the other day when I started as the athletic director in 2000 at the Division Two level. I had 45 full-time employees, which included all of the coaches. Now, as far as full-time, it's probably around 100 and. 70 or so, and then another 170 part-time. So it's grown tremendously, but I look at that growth as a uh, 
a way of putting us in a position where we can really uh, enhance our core value, one of our core values, and that's the pursuit of excellence. And I don't believe you can have the pursuit of excellence when you have people doing 20 different things. So part of the rationale but behind that uh, increase is to get people that are somewhat specialized in whatever, whatever area we're looking at, whether it's social media, whether it's the business office, whether it's athletic trainers. So there's a lot more specialized expertise, which will make that pursuit of excellence uh, a realistic goal. When you started here in 2000 versus today in 2023, how much of your job, your role then was literally managing everything versus now you have a staff around you that you have to trust and rely on because you physically can't do everything yourself? No, you hit it on the head. The part of that growth has to do with uh, people overseeing a lot of areas that I was intimately involved with before, but with the growth of the program, that's very difficult to do. So um, administratively, I would say there's around 20 senior administrators, yourself, self-included in terms of leading different areas. So, so I have a better understanding overall, but I don't have my fingers and everything. <laughs> was that like, hard for you? Yeah, no, actually, you know, it wasn't hard only because the people that I've been fortunate to hire are really good at what they do. So I didn't have to, I think it becomes hard if you have to move into some form of uh, micromanaging, because then you're doing your job and part of the other person. So, so it wasn't really hard. I've become the, uh, I like to say the master of delegation. <laughs> and is that something that came naturally to you or did you have to learn to be okay with that? No, that, I would say that's, that became natural from the standpoint of I've always had trust in the staff that I have. And if you have trust in your staff, then it's, it's easier. Plus, I'm recognizing from a mental standpoint, there was no mental and physical, there was no way I could be hands-on and everything and, and still be insane. So so it wasn't really hard for me. I've, I've done a lot of reading on leadership and, you know, that old cliche that you're uh, only as good as your staff. I believe in that a thousand percent. Let's stick with personnel for just one more moment. You mentioned over the summer hiring two new head coaches in Peter with men's rowing and Sebastian with men's tennis or with women's tennis, rather. Both of those coaches were already on staff as assistants in their role and were elevated to the, the head coach position. What goes into a head coach search, broadly speaking? How do you find the right person for the opening? Well, there's a couple of things. One is just looking at their overall experience. You know, as a head coach, in my view, you need to have at least five years of experience at either at the assistant level or the head coaching level. I don't, I don't really look at uh, or eliminate assistant coaches that don't have head coaching experience because the, if you do that, obviously it cuts down on the, uh, on your, um, your pool. But I also feel that good assistants should have the opportunity to become a head coach. So looking at their experience, I also try to assess, along with others, during the interview process, 
uh, whether the person has strong interpersonal skills. Because the reality of head coaching or any top administrative position is it's about how you relate and connect with whoever you're overseeing. So that's another part of the uh, coaching. And if I can, you know, and this doesn't always happen, but I'd like to have someone that has a D1 experience of some level, since that's where we are now. And as you know, the D1 is a whole, no pun intended, is a whole different ball game. <laughs> no question about that. With students set to come back to campus and the campus will be buzzing in just a couple of short weeks, is it a challenge for your fall teams that are already competing and in some cases a month into their season, but they haven't had their fellow students around to support them? Yeah, I would say it's a challenge because you always like to have a decent crowd to play in front of. But then the other side, the plus side is that for what, probably six weeks or so, they're pretty much like professional athletes because they're, all they're doing is focusing on the sport. So when you look at it in that regard, it provides an opportunity to enhance your skills, become more competitive because that's all you're focusing on. Now, I will say the bigger challenge is they go through that for six weeks and then classes come into play. Now that's something else that they have to deal with. And it's it's not uncommon just from a performance standpoint to see that that is a challenge because suddenly they've gone from being what I call semi, semi-pro athletes to back to being a scholar athlete. Yeah, that's, that's quite the transition for sure. Uh, you, you started here in 2000 as the athletic director. Obviously, there have been a lot of new buildings and there are cranes all over campus, but how has campus changed in those 20 plus years? You know, it's changed uh, tremendously. I'd like to say that uh, during those 20 plus years, and particularly the last five or six, that we've really gone through a renaissance period. You know, when I was here in 2000, I believe we had uh, five or six colleges. Now we're up to eight colleges. So that's a significant increase in itself. When you look at the fact that we have a trolley that runs from from the border up through our campus to uh, University City and what that's done as far as the transformation of the campus, when you look at the... Uh, fact that we've added an amphitheater that's bringing in a lot of uh, uh, entertainment and another space for us. So the, the transformation has been tremendous, and it's not only been tremendous, but all, many of those things are really benefiting the students. I mean, hell, how many campuses have a target right on the campus? You know, so that's been added to the mix. So the transformation, I like to say the renaissance has been phenomenal benefiting the students and we're looking for it to benefit us as an athletic program by providing a, a very important outlet that the students need in terms of you know the academics is utmost important but you need to have some balance as far as you know from a mental standpoint and athletics could can certainly help with that balance the Big West added the sport of men's water polo starting this season. So we're about to begin conference play in the Big West in that sport for the first time. But UC San Diego was selected to host the first ever Big West men's water polo 
championship? What went into that decision and what does that say about this department and where we are already? Well, from a water polo standpoint, we're very competitive on a national scale. The, the fact that we're able to host our conference first water polo tournament here, I think it's a testament to our program and the history of our program because we've hosted nationals not just conference, but national championships here on our campus for both men's water polo and women's water polo. So it just reinforces the role that water polo plays on our campus. And I think it's safe to say that if we did any data analysis, we probably by far have more spectators for women's water, for water polo period than any other uh, program in the country. Um, so that's just a, a, a flag, if you will, a flag in the sand that UC San Diego water polo is a great place to, to be hosting the first conference championship. And we're very much looking forward to it. And as the department has gone through this transition to Division One, what has your role been in meetings with your colleagues at the Big West and with the conference office itself? What What role do you play in making sure that UC San Diego is part of the Big West, even though we're not eligible for postseason competition quite yet. Yeah, I've, I've actually been surprised that the, the role that I've played, because within the structure of the Big West Conference, there's a number of different uh, councils or committees. I obviously serve on the Athletic Directors Council, and I've been intimately involved in many conversations about processes and how things are run in the conference. And I I say I've been surprised because I've been actively engaged. In fact, I chaired the AD committee uh, last year. Um, and also the Big West, to be honest, they, uh, they allowed us, even though this is our third year of the transition, I was in, engaged with the conference before that three-year period even started, they allowed us to come in a year earlier, which was great for me because then I got a better feel for the the new territory that we're going to be involved in. So, so I've been an active member. I'd like to think I've been a, a respected member because I've been the athletic director for quite some time. So the they know about UC San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> we love to see that, and I know that. Yeah as well extending beyond you, but Chancellor Kosla was selected to chair the Big West board as well. I mean, again, the department's still in the transition, but already UC San Diego is garnering that respect from its peers. Yeah, so he'll be he'll be chairing the uh, the board of directors, which is all the presidents and chancellors this last year of our transition. So he and I have both been intimately involved in Chancellor Pradeep has been very, very supportive of the athletic program. I, I really value the relationship that he and I have. You know, I report to him directly, so that's been a great experience as well. We're chatting with Earl Edwards on Triton Cast this week. Let's change gears and talk about a recent trip you went on. Men's and women's basketball teams recently participated in a foreign tour. They went to Italy for 10 days you were able to accompany them. What was the purpose of that trip in your mind and how would you describe the experience? Yeah. Well, the, a couple of things. When you talk about the purpose of the trip, 
one thing is that by NCAA rules, you are allowed each program to go once every four years. And we as an athletic department, we're about uh, creating as many positive experiences for our scholar athletes. And obviously a, a foreign tour is one of those. What I like about foreign tours and the trip to Italy was phenomenal is that it provides an opportunity for the athletes to really bond as a team. It also gives us somewhat of an advantage uh, over those teams that don't do foreign tours because we get to start practicing earlier and do a lot of things earlier. It's been my experience just from observation, the difference between uh, a team from one year to the next year in terms of if they've significantly improved. It's not uncommon that they went on a foreign tour when you see all that improvement. So those are real benefits for us. Uh, Not just the competitive side of the equation, but the the educational com- component. And what I like about the foreign tour, unlike what happens with us as, or the athletes in general, where you often go into a city or different state or whatever, you go to the hotel, you go to the gym, you play your game, you go back, you really pick up very little knowledge of the environment that you're in. Well, the foreign tour, you learn, you, you learn a lot. We've learned a lot about Rome and uh, Lake Como, and and just historically, I'm still taken back by the idea of uh, being told that this facility was uh, built in BC. Because you know, so when you <laughs> you start thinking about BC or the 1200s or 600s, and you know, I, I I used to think things were old back here in the states. When you say 100 years old, that changed that whole perspective. So it's beneficial educationally as well as uh, competitively, and then just the idea of the uh, coaches and the teams getting a lot closer to create that chemistry that you need to to be successful. For you and your role as athletic director, is it beneficial for you as well to get to know the scholar-athletes in a different setting, not you know away, in this case, from the basketball court? Yeah, and that's, I'm glad you brought that up because as an athletic director, you – often don't have as many opportunities as you would like to uh, get connected with your athletes. In our case, we have 600 athletes. So whatever opportunity I have to connect to, which is why I try to go to pretty much every sporting event or or teams at least once a year, others more than that. But the connection to the scholar athletes is not only a, a good feeling for me as an individual, but it also reminds me of why we're here the scholar athletes are why we're here that's you know we're here to uh, help them mature as young men and women and we're here to make sure they have a positive experience and the the italy trip was a great one and I, i have to say this too and that is with the foreign tours that as far as our ability to make those trips from a financial standpoint all the funds for that that type of trip comes from uh, fundraising efforts or donors supporting the program. So I want to commend those individuals that have supported us on those trips, as well as those that will support us in the future, because we're using external funds to make these things happen. No, that is an important clarification for sure. 
What about for you personally? What did uh, maybe you enjoy the most while we were over in Italy? You know, several people have asked me that question. It's a classic. It's hard to pick one thing. I uh, I really enjoyed Lake Como because it's so different. You, know, you hear about the other places, but Lake Como is a very unique place. But the the uh, the kid in me keeps coming out <laughs> when I think about being on the gondola for uh, in Venice, and that's only because you know, as a little kid, you're watching TV, you see people in these gondolas in the city with water, and it's like, whoa, that's that seems interesting. So to actually go through that was a very uh, exhilarating experience for me because it was like one of those childhood things you think about and here I am, I'm actually doing it. <laughs> no doubt about that. It is very, Venice is a very unique place for sure. Yeah. We're joined by Earl Edwards on Triton Cast this week. Let's bring it back to campus in La Jolla. The last several years dating back to pre-pandemic, really, you've been placing a greater emphasis within our athletics department on equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, yeah. Specifically, this last school year, you had department staff take part in a course called Return on Inclusion, a year-long course that involved several modules and a lot of discussion between coaches and administrators. Why is that so important to you? And also, how can that make us better as a department? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to go in two directions. One is that uh, one of our core values is inclusion. And again, we need to do things that support or enhance that core value of inclusion, which I like to look at inclusion as just creating a sense of belonging for all individuals. So being involved in the Return on Inclusion program, which was a year-long program, as you described, and you actually get certified at the end as you go through those. And what I liked about that was, unlike what traditionally happens when it comes to looking at equity, diversity, inclusion issues or programs, I, I like to say that often there's a sprinkle approach where somebody may come in and talk about a book, or there might be a speaker that'll talk about a certain aspect, and then it's, then what? Now what? That's what I liked about the six modules going through it for the entire year because it uh, it creates uh, a uh, more formal approach. And then the other aspect to me is, you know, creating a sense of belonging for everyone is important, but I also think there's a very important tie to athletics. And that is, and I think all of us in sports are or aware of this, or even spectators, that it's not uncommon when you talk to a great team and people ask what what makes you so great. It's very common that the first thing they'll say is how we get along and how we connect with each other. And I think often that happens somewhat uh, happenstance or informal, depending on the players that year or what the coach might do for that year. So my thought is if you create this true sense of belonging, that chemistry is going to be there. 
that and it's a formal process so that should enhance your ability to be more successful than if you weren't uh, having that kind of uh, interpersonal relationship as a team that sense of belonging as even just looking in terms of quantity right as we talked about the staff has grown so much so when yeah. somebody new comes on staff or a coaching staff or administrator and they feel like they're at home and they can fit in and they can be part of that group, that sense of belonging creates a comfort level that can then hopefully lead to more production, better results, all the kinds of things that, you know, from a job standpoint, you need out of an employee. All right, I'm glad you brought that up too, because when I say, I'm glad you brought that up because I've just talked to a couple of our newer employees uh, in the last day or so. And those are some of the things that they pointed out, the comfort level that they felt coming here, the growth that they felt uh, coming here with our professional development, whether it's ROI and, and other things that we do. So that's, I think that all leads to success overall. And we were extremely fortunate to be successful at Division three level. Division two level, and I firmly believe we'll be very successful at Division one within the the Big West Conference and the other conferences that we're in. You've been at this for a couple of years now. <laughs> as as we head into the new year, what still drives you? What what makes you excited to keep doing this job and help the department grow? Yeah. In now Division one. Yeah, well, the uh, the biggest thing, and this is true with all of our coaches and many of our staff, I just have a passion for sports in general, but not only sports in the name of sports, but sports for what it does for the young men and women that go through our program. And I like to say that while people focus on games and competition, and I get that because that's the entertainment value, but what we really do is, I like to say we're a laboratory for personal development of those individuals. So the things they learn through sports, how to deal with victory, how to deal with defeat, time management, setting goals, working hard, being committed, all those things help them grow as a as a person and that's what i really enjoy that's what excites me especially you know they graduate they're a doctor or a lawyer somewhere and uh, knowing that we had a part in that development that's what really excites me and the last thing i'll say is as i'm getting older being around young people helps to keep you young and that's that's something I really value because I'd like to be stay as young as I can <laughs> for as long as I can. So just being around young people on a daily basis is a uh, is a big plus for me. Yeah, and and those of us who've worked with you for a little while now, we always hear you say to anybody who will listen that at, uh, athletics is about more than games and competition, and that's. I mean, that's exactly what you're saying here is that the wins and losses, I mean, that's why the average person may tune in or watch or come to a game. But as far as developing these scholar athletes as people, as members of our society, 
yeah. there's a there's a big responsibility on us. Yeah. And it's and the responsibility and the role that we play in producing outstanding citizens that are going to contribute contribute to society in a positive way is even more important now than ever because of just where we are as a country and society where there's a lot more divisiveness there's a lot more uh it's all about me versus the team approach to making things better and that's another another thing that athletics or sports brings to the table let's go back towards actual games and competition uh-huh. as we exit the pandemic we think we hope knock on wood the worst is behind us and people can gather again. We're also wrapping up our transition to division one, as we talked about. And so our teams are playing not just local and regional, but in many cases, national schedules. Now, how important is it to have community support at games on campus? It's it's very important because if there's anything you know about Sports. There's a reason that they have the term of a home court advantage. And it's not just the court, the facility, obviously. <laughs> it's the environment that's created by those that come out to support us. So it's real important that we get people out here to come to our competitions. The The national exposure, as you mentioned, that we get, whether it's playing in a different part of the country or the national exposure from TV with ESPN. Those are elements that is not only national exposure for us as an athletic program, it puts us in a position to brand and market UC San Diego, which is one of the top institutions in the world. And I want to emphasize in the world um, because there's a lot of uh, reports that support that. So. So for us to get the name of UC San Diego out there does a lot for the university. And then we're also in a position to tell the story of UC San Diego in a way that there's no other unit on campus uh, can possibly do because of the national exposure. And I guess I should say international exposure as well. Now, when when we start looking at uh, our foreign tours and one of the takeaways from the Italy trip was that we have a lot of alum alums uh, throughout Europe, which I wasn't aware of, but you know, the Tritons are everywhere. So athletics is, is a big part of letting people know about UC San Diego and the Tritons. Yeah, and you talk about building that home court advantage. You got big time names coming to La Jolla, to our campus, right? I mean, literally last week in the women's volleyball tournament, San Diego State and Navy were here. Women's soccer recently played San Diego State. Men's basketball will host the national runner-up, San Diego State, in Lion Tree Arena coming up in December. So schools are coming here to La Jolla, so that's an opportunity for fans in our community to come out and see teams that they may have been reading about or cheering on on TV growing up, but here in their backyard too. No, that's a great point. And with that point being made, I, I'm really hoping, because I think a lot of people still aren't as aware of us being Division One. And as we bring in these other teams, 
whether people are coming to see them or us, just getting them exposed to our program and our facilities. You know, I like the arena in particular because we've done a lot of work there. We have some things in there that's rather uh, unique and you don't see at other places. So so getting the community engaged is uh, an important part of support for us, but not only that, to help make that connection with the community because it's, you know, since we're not a so-called college town or in terms of where we're located, the idea of getting the community more connected with us is a great one. And it just makes sense because it benefits both parties, the university and the community. Let's end here. We talked about students on campus and coming to support our teams. We just talked about the community support. But what about the alumni base? You mentioned the alumni in Europe, but with homecoming coming up in a couple of weeks and many of our teams having alumni games, alumni weekends, those kinds of things, how important is alumni support in each program's success? Well, the alumni support, I, I don't think you can really put a, uh, a number on the value of the alumni connection. First of all, where we are, as a result of what the alums have done in the past. So they've kind of created the foundation, not kind of, they've, they've created the foundation for us to build on. So it's important that we keep those connections. It's not only important to keep those connections because of the athletic side, but also because of the uh, those connections can help our current athletes as far as future careers and connecting with the alums. And then the idea just creating a lot of uh, pride around being a Triton. You know, the the idea that alums are somewhere around the uh, water cooler talking about uh, UC San Diego uh, becoming the baseball champions of the Big West, which is a, a phenomenal feat in such a short period of time, but it's a testament to how successful we can be. But the connection with the alums and the current players and the community is a big part of of who we are. And our alumni uh, setup is 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 quite good. You know, when we went to play in Italy, I was told there's 1,500 alums in that area. Which wow. Really, yeah, which really took me by surprise. And then when you look at the other countries, it's, it's even more. But... So alums are a big part of who we are. We like to have them come back. We like to have them, you know, support us and to see what they help to create. Because whether they look at it that way or not, they did help to create where we are today. No question about that. Earl, thanks for the time. I'm sure we will see you at a game soon. Looking forward to you. And thank you for uh, putting this together. And I also want to thank you for the Great that job that you do with our uh, athletics uh, communications. Thank you, sir. Always appreciate Earl being so generous with us here on the pod. And if you've spent any time around him, you already know his positivity is infectious. Well, you won't want to miss an all new episode of Triton Cast next time. New episodes of Triton Cast premiere each Wednesday.
Well, thank you for listening to this week. And don't forget, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast platforms by searching TritonCast wherever you get your pods. And a reminder, you can listen to any of our 85 episodes anytime you want on demand. All you have to do is visit ucsdtritons.com slash podcasts. For more on TritonCast, follow us on X at TritonCast. And if you have a suggestion for a future guest, you can send us a tweet or email us. Our email address is tritoncast at ucsd.edu. We'll see you back here next time. You've been listening to TritonCast. TritonCast is a production of UC San Diego Athletics Communications. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your platform of choice. If you have show questions or comments or suggestions for future guests, email us at tritoncast at ucsd.edu. You can also follow the show on Twitter at tritoncast. Thank you.